Well, good morning to all of you. Again, we welcome you in the name of Jesus this morning. You know, today we are starting a new sermon series called Spirit-Filled Living. A life filled with the Spirit is a life filled with the fruit of the Spirit, as mentioned in Galatians 5. It tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Is your life filled with this fruit? We call it spirit-filled living because we cannot fill our own lives with this fruit on our own. It is impossible to have this fruit without the spirit inside of us. But when the spirit is in us, we reflect what has been given to us in how we live. Not in our own power, but by the spirit working in us. And so for the rest of January, we will be preaching on this first fruit of the Spirit that is mentioned, which is love. Now there are three different Greek words that are used for the word love. The first one is eros, which is an attractive love or an erotic love. The second one is phileo which is brotherly love. When Jesus was asking Peter if he loved him, this is the one that Peter replied with, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you like a brother. This is also how we get the city name of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. The last Greek word used for love is agape. This is the love that God has for us. It is an, an everlasting, unconditional love. This is the love that is mentioned in the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, and is the love that we're going to be talking about in the next four weeks. This morning, the sermon is entitled, Love at the Fall. And we find this in Genesis 3. And so we turn to Genesis 3 where we will find Adam and Eve in the garden with the great debacle. And so we read in Jesus' name from Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, You may eat of the fruit of the tree in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of, the, of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened 
and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you should go, and dust you shall until the days of your life. You shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. You shall bruise your head. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you. You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden he placed the cherub and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth. Father, we pray that as we dig into your word this morning that you would open our eyes that you would reveal yourself to us once again. Father, help us to see you. Help us to hear from you. Help us to grow in the wisdom and the knowledge of who you are and what you have accomplished for us through your son, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. I don't know about you, but as much as Christmas is a time of worship, and of celebration of the Savior being born in a manger to die so that we may live. It's also a dangerous time for me as well. 
You see, there is always one more Christmas cookie. There is one more candy cane. And there's plenty of pie. And I know what the end result will be. But they look oh so good. I just got to get me some more. And I know one of these years, Alyssa is going to have to padlock all the Christmas cookies and goodies. And I don't even want to get started on Thanksgiving. In our text, Adam and Eve were living in the land of good and plenty. There were fruit trees all around them. But they were told not to eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. But oh, did it look so good. And then came, came the great temptation. The serpent came to them and said, Did you see that fruit? Doesn't that fruit look good to you? It is so much better, and it is so much sweeter than all the other fruit in the garden. So go ahead. Go ahead and eat that fruit. Nothing's going to happen to you. As you could imagine, the epic fail took place. They fell into temptation. Eve took a bite of that fruit, and then Adam ate some as well. Then their eyes were opened, and they saw their nakedness. They saw what they had done. They saw their own sin. And more importantly, so did God. God saw it all. Being naked before God is God knowing all that you have done. Adam and Eve were exposed. God knew what they did. He saw them for what they did and who they were. And when we sin against God, we, with our sin, are exposed before God. He knows what we are going to do before we even do it. After they ate of the fruit, they hid from God. They were afraid of what he might do to them. But hiding from God is kind of like playing hide-and-seek with a toddler. You know, when when it is the toddler's turn to hide, where do they hide? Do they hide in a closet? No, that's right. Do they hide in a bathtub or under their bed? No. They hide right in the middle of the living room. My teenager just covered her eyes. And and that's right. But because they are not looking up, they're covering their eyes and not seeing you, they don't think that you're going to be able to see them. But you know exactly where they are. 
When Adam and Eve were hiding in the trees, God asked them where they were, even though he knew exactly where they were. There is no hiding from God. And the same goes for us. There is no hiding ourselves or our sins from God. He knows where to find us as well. Even though others might not know of our sin, God does. And not only did they see their own nakedness, they tried to cover it up as well. They sewed together some fig leaves to cover themselves. And then they blamed each other for what they had done. Adam blamed Eve for giving him the fruit. What do you say? Hey, it was her! She gave it to me. It's her fault. And then Eve blamed the serpent, saying, Well, he told me it was going to be okay. Don't we do the same thing? Don't we blame someone else for what we did? You might think or say that, well, somebody told me I should do it. Or they told me that cheating or speeding is only a bad thing to do when we get caught. But hey, if we don't get caught, it's okay. We're really good at pointing fingers when we get caught, aren't we? We're good at trying to hide or even trying to cover up our sin and shift blame, just like Adam and Eve. But here's the thing. God never changes. And he is the same today as he was in the time of Adam and Eve. God is all-knowing and is everywhere all the time. When we try to make excuses for ourselves or blame someone else for our misdeeds, God sees that too. We are fully exposed. That's kind of an uncomfortable feeling, isn't it? And there's no one to point the finger at other than ourselves. We sin against God. It is what it is. So then, how did God respond to the sin of Adam and Eve? Instead of pouring out his wrath, his anger upon them, he showed them his love. Did he strike them down? Did he punish them for their disobedience? Yes, there were some consequences. Later on in chapter 3, we find that they were banished from the garden. They were banished from the garden, for God could not be around sin. He was a holy God, and thus Adam and Eve were separated from him. They were also going to work for their food. No longer would they be able just to reach up into the many trees of the garden for instant meals. Who doesn't like a meal like that? But God showed his love to them. He came to them in the midst of their wrongdoings. And instead of striking them down, which he had every right to do so as a holy God, and instead of showing his wrath, he showed to them his agape love. 
He made clothes for them. He made garments of skins and he clothed them. He covered their shame. This was amazing love. As with all sin, Adam and Eve's sin affected not only them, but others as well. Because they had sinned against God, death would not only come to them, but also to the world for all time. And now not one person would be found right with God. Because all sinned, and all have fallen short of the glory of God. And because sin entered the world, we were all condemned. Just as Adam and Eve were banished from the garden, we were banished from heaven as well. But, but God loved the world. God came to us. As we just finished the Christmas season, we celebrated how God sent his son Jesus to enter this world that he might pay the penalty of our sins. He would die for our sins so that we might be right before God. So when we are found naked before God, he shows us his agape love. He shows us his unconditional, everlasting love. He clothes us not with physical clothes, but with his righteousness. A righteousness that is found through faith in Jesus Christ. This was first promised in verse 15. God said to Eve, I will put an enmity between you and the woman. He said this to the serpent. I will put an enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. God told the serpent of the coming of the Savior and the conflict that will take place between the two of them. And then in Romans chapter 5, we read of our human condition because of Adam. Then, but then we read of what Jesus has done for us. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over all those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through the one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, 
So one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. We were made righteous, not because of anything that we had done. We hadn't done anything to deserve to be declared righteous by God. But rather, we sinned against God. And because we sinned against God, we deserve death. But God showed his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And since therefore we have been now justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? But God, in his great mercy and his grace, made us righteous through the death and resurrection of Jesus. It is because of Jesus and Jesus alone that we are made righteous. He paid the price for our sin. He died the death that we deserve. He clothed us with his righteousness when we were naked in our sin. And so now we are able to have a relationship with God. And because we are clothed with the righteousness of Jesus, we will be with him one day in heaven. Because of Jesus, God no longer sees God no longer sees our sins, but he sees the righteousness of Jesus. It is through his blood we are made clean. Today is the first Sunday after Epiphany. We might understand the word as a revelation or an awakening. We might say that it's a light bulb moment. This is also the day in which the kings of the East's thoughts and ideas about who Jesus was were realized or awakened or revealed. They came face to face with the Savior of the world. Let this day be an awakening or revelation for us as we recognize who we are as sinners and our need for our loving Savior. God turned man's curse into man's blessing. As Jesus came into the world, born as a baby, so that he could save his people from their sins. Only a holy God could do that. And only a loving God would. Praise be to God who loves and has shown us his amazing love. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. And Father, we are thankful to you for the love that you have shown to us. A love that's not deserved or earned, but a love that is freely given. And Father, we pray um, if there's someone who has not yet received this good news 
of the Savior who came to give his life so that they might have theirs. Father, we pray that this day may be a day of their awakening. And Father, we just praise you and thank you that we can live in faith by trusting you, that you have forgiven us of all of our sins, and that we can live each day in response to to who you are and what you have done for us through your Son, Jesus Christ, who lived who lived, died, and rose again, that we may one day rise again ourselves. So, Father, we just praise you and thank you for your love to us. Help us to show this love to others that they might see Jesus today. We pray these things in our Savior's name. Amen.